Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we are joined by your very best friend. Friend? Friends. There's two of just them. One. Here. No, one, one of them is a very one. best friend. The other, the other one yeah. is the local vagrant. That's that's fun. That's fine. Uh, that's Jim Kaysen and Alan Morrow. How are y'all doing? How are you, how are you guys doing? <laughs> it, man, it's been so long. He's doesn't even know. He doesn't even names. know our names. In fact, I don't even know who Brett is right now. He's like aged in reverse. His beard is gone. <laughs> yeah. His beard is gone. It's my Benjamin Button. His face phase. is free. <laughs> Wow, that was just awesome. sang a little, sang a little altered hymn for you. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's uh, that's good, I guess, or something. Anyway, it's, it's good not to see good, y'all. Um, uh, you know, so we, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been uh, a minute. We've had As a little bit. Say. Of, it's been a minute. So it's, we've had uh, some spring break, vacation time, uh, post Easter, um, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and we have actually. We've done an Easter special since uh, we've, and so y'all go back and listen to that. But it's been a minute since we've been together, so we're picking right back up with the uh, the TFOD, uh, the Faith Once Delivered document. But we're going to get to that in just a minute. How is y'all? How how is spring going? This is, and the weather is changing. Like it's 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 beautiful outside. Um, it's gorgeous. How's everything going with you guys during spring? This springtime. Um. Yeah, so our family went to the Grand Canyon. Yes, so, you did. Uh, we went to the whole other side of the country. So yep. uh, it was a great just trip. A, it's just a big hole in the ground, right? Really kind of, you know, basically, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, Kristen so desired to see the sunrise, the Grand Canyon, that we got up at like 4.30 in the morning. Oh yep. yeah. Um to get the kids up. It was uh, awesome except for two things. Uh it was 40 degrees and <laughs> it was cloudy. So oh. Uh, oh. other than that other than that, I mean we saw the Grand Canyon. Uh yeah. you know, but uh, uh and you no, were there as the light emerged whether you could see it or not. Yes. Um, yeah. Um also went uh sledding down a sand dune. Um, oh that's fun. Yeah. Did any or was sand it actually come was out? It? Uh, it was fun, except... Were you an extra in the movie Dune? No, I was not. Uh, uh, here's the thing about sand dunes. Once you go down them, you have to go back up them. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Um, the, the, it, it was fun, but it was also a lot of work. So, yeah. anyways, it was great. The kids, uh, Hunter had a, a sand board, like a snowboard. So, mm-hmm. um, and he, he slid down the sand. So That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, it is a thing. So it was cool. Yeah. yeah. What was your favorite part of the Grand Canyon? Uh, um, leaving the just Grand how Canyon. Vast it is. Just oh, how yeah. vast. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Um, yeah. yeah. We, we we you know we saw everything from above, so we didn't go. We didn't do any tours or anything down. Um, that that would be something I'd like to do. Maybe. Yeah, that would um, be really cool. But yeah. um, bear grills style. Yeah, just going on. Survival a pioneer and a rafting trip. I don't know. <laughs> on the side of the, a donkey and a rafting trip. Donkey, donkey. I'll tell you. I don't know about you guys, but um, I needed spring. I think uh, I don't know if there's the thing that I've got seasonal affective disorder or whatever. But my Sad. heart is always ready. It's always ready for the change of season. Yeah. I needed a little more daylight back in my life. Doesn't yeah. mean that I have been chipper and great. But it is nice to have a yeah. little bit more daylight. I yeah. do miss um, uh, quarter zip and sweater vest weather. 
I do yeah. miss that because there's yes. a lot of things that those things do for me, like hide stuff. Oh yeah, that hides um, a multitude of sin, brother. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Other than that, I'm just glad to be back with the pot of cumins, um, and really excited about today's topic. Well, really, every time we get together, I'm excited about today's topic. Yeah, that's true. There's nothing uh, we've got a what what I think it was Conan O'Brien or whoever it was that he would always we've got a great one for you. We got a great one for you. We've got like every show. It's, it's every the show's same a show. One. It's just we the same a great, show. A great, we got one a great one for you. Um. All right, so today, y'all want to just jump right into it? Let's just jump. Let's do it. Let's just jump. All right, so today we're gonna, we're, we're we're starting a discussion on the image of God. Now we're gonna we're looking at um, this. The big section is the image and the image marred. But before we get to sin, the marring of the image of God within us, uh, we need to talk about the image of God. What the image of God is, why it's important. Yeah. And. Uh, in our next episode, um, we will be talking about Wesley's view of the image of God. But right now, we're right. just talking more of a general uh, idea of what the image is. And um, I cannot remember where I found this, but um, I, I, and it might have been in a Thomas Oden uh, book, but I, I, I can't Surprise. remember. Exactly. I know. Um, it was talking about um, – uh, they were writing about um, human existence, and that, um, and this is what they said of human existence: that we're created in the image of God, we're fallen by our own volition, and restored and reclaimed by God's mercy and grace. And yes. so it's kind of this kind of this threefold idea: created, fallen, restored, and reclaimed. And so, as we go through these next, I don't know, several episodes, perhaps, um, and even all the way to the end of the Tifod. That's going to be kind of the work we're going through now is understanding we're created, we are fallen, we've got to deal with that. We've got to name it, and we've got to deal with it, and 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 then we've got to live into the fact that as followers of Jesus, we're restored and reclaimed by his mercy and grace. So um, yes. that that is kind of a... Uh, a, a an overview, a big umbrella overview of. I wish I wish you'd put that sentence in the show notes because it's a it's a really great snapshot of a Christian human anthropology. Mm-hmm. I like to use big words. Yes, um, but also it's it correctly places all the agency in the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you know, you know, God did this for us. This is where we are. What we must do, but this is what God does. Yes, um, that's that's a fantastic little statement. So uh, let's talk. Let's just go ahead and jump right into it. This is the faith once delivered. So we haven't done this for a while. So let's reintroduce you to the faith once delivered. It was a document that uh, came out of a summit back in early 2022 um, of uh, over 50 Wesleyan scholars from different disciplines that came together and they basically put together. I'm not going to call this the new articles of religion or anything like that because I don't want to step, you know, I don't want to go that far. But there is something pretty mm. profound to this document. Um, this very this document that is 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 deep but also brief and goes through the essentials of the Christian faith um, from a Wesleyan perspective that is uh, that is much needed in the Wesleyan Methodist Armenian world today. And so this is the Faith Once Delivered. You can find a free download of this at uh, nextmethodism.org, nextmethodism.org, and you'll click on a summit. There's a thing that says the summit. And you, you click on free? it. Uh, it is free. Free. Holy free. Free. I love free, free stuff. I free. love free stuff. You know, yes. there's just not much in the modern Wesleyan world, like the fact that 50 Wesleyan scholars got together, we need to celebrate that. Amen, Because um, there's a ton of other 
uh, you know, traditions putting scholarship out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really worth picking up. And look, I'm going to angle for it to be bound as a, a paper copy, I but agree. I need it. I need it in goat skin. <laughs> oh Lord! Oh, he needs to. Uh, the, oh Lord! The, yeah, yeah. Match it with my premium Bible. Turn the camera yeah, to all goes. your Bibles over there, Jim. <laughs> no, I just have this one today. Look at that. And in that fact, if if a if a potacumen can accurately name my pen and my Bible make and model, I'll send you some potacesis swag. Oh, there how it about is. that? And what? off the off the screen. <laughs> that was your only chance that Brett will make. So. That I will make. <laughs> what swag are we doing? <laughs> and, and by the and, and by the way, hey Brad, will you make some swag? <laughs> yeah, um, I, we had a we have a listener who this was a few years. Uh, uh, this was uh, maybe about two years, eighteen months ago. Who um, for Father's Day, his wife gave him an autographed picture of us. And what she asked me, she said, "Do you have a picture of you three together?" And the only picture I had was a snapshot of the YouTube uh, video that we have. So I printed that off in high quality, and uh, I signed it, and I framed it, and I gave it to her. And that's what that's what he oh my has. Gosh. So you could do that. Wow. You could do I that. I feel yeah. so sorry for this individual. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, the trick to listening to the first part of our podcast is two times speed. Yes. <laughs> two times speed. We are okay. now back. We're finally going to read this section of The Faith Once Delivered. I hope our, you'll read it. It is free. Let's yes. begin. Now, this is page 20, starting paragraph 67 is yes. where we are, uh, if you ever want to reference back. Well, and our Audible uh, our audible uh, employee, Alan Kaysen, yes. will, uh, will bring the that James, reading to The us. James Earl Jones of the Podcast Podcast. Mine says 21, so I don't know what we're doing. Really? But, uh, yeah. Uh, so. Paragraph 67. Yeah, yeah, paragraph 67. Let's just go with that. Let's That's just go weird. with that. I know. It's a PDF. I know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's Ooh. just do 67. Okay. All right, according to Genesis, the creation of humans is distinctive because only human beings are created in God's image. The image of God is a powerful idea, but is co- confined almost entirely to three passages in the opening chapters of Genesis. Um, even these passages are not entirely transparent as to what the idea means. This has resulted in the notion of God's image being invested uh, with a vast number of meanings, not all of which can be accurate because not all of them agree. Are they using logic? Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, I know, no. right? What? So this paragraph, it speaks of the uniqueness of huma- humanity. But before we really dive into that, let's go ahead and read that uh, paragraph 68 because it follows up on this as well. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Um, um, yes, sir, host. Um <laughs> Interpretations, uh, uh, 68, interpretations have taken two primary approaches. One view is to believe that the idea of humans being created in the image of God communicates the specialness of human beings. The image of God is a kind of essence or substance, marking humans as inherently dignified and worthy of respect as image bearers. Hmm. The other view is that the image is less about essence than it is about ethics. From this perspective, human beings are the are in the image of God if they do, in fact, image God. If they do not, then they are not. Mm. All right, so there's, in these two paragraphs, there's a lot. There's the uniqueness of humanity among all of, uh, all of the other 
pieces and parts of God's creation. Mm-hmm. And then there are these two primary interpretive approaches of specialness and the ethics of. Um, and so when, when you think of the uniqueness of humanity in, as compared to the rest of God's creation, um, what do you think of about that? And then what do you, and then I want to speak to these uh, interpretations or these approaches to interpretations. Um, because when I read these two, I don't, I don't view them personally in a separate ways. You, you've got to take, you know, do you, are you a special, specialness type of interpreter or are you an ethics type of interpreter? I think you have to include them both together. Um, in in your approach to interpreting what's going on here about the ethics of God. So anyway, what do y'all think about uh, the image of God and 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 um, how we approach it? I like it. <laughs> You're yeah, for it. I dig it. I dig I think it. It's, I think it's uh, good that we've got yeah. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I support it. I do. I. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's good. I'd vote for it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is the high quality theological content that we're here for. Okay, so so naturally this is a both and kind of situation, right? Yes. yes. All right. So you have and it's not the not the lazy uh popular Methodist both and where like both things are true, which basically means my way is right and your way is right. wrong. Right. Um, but I won't get into my feelings on that topic. It's yes, there's <laughs> I'm still making myself up. <laughs> there is a there's a certain uh kind of essence or substance or uniqueness to human beings above other creatures. Right. Yes. Um, but it's not so far as to say, hey, look, like God must have arms and legs because we have arms and legs or um, that we are in such a way so set apart from other creation that that doesn't matter. Right. Or that we are so created in God's image that we are divine. Um, and so those are some of the far ends of that spectrum. And in fact, some would go as far as to say um, that, you know, Wesleyans have typically began our anthropology, our understanding of humanity here, but it also carries on, the, the theology is not over, it always carries on the the marred nature of the image of God. But to say that the image of God makes everybody um, divine, perfect, and whatever is not quite true. But there is an inherent dignity. Yes, right? now, yes, yes. There's an inherent, digni- inherent dignity. Um, now, on the other end of it, there's something great about the ethics. Like it comes with a responsibility. There's a stewardship that is inherent in being made in the image of God, which gets played out in how God directs and interacts with his first human creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we have both, um, especially as the ones when our image is restored to the grace and mercy of God in Christ, there is something that can receive that dignity. Uh, of Christ to see it in others, but there's also a responsibility mm-hmm. that I get to be a part of. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I yeah, get yeah, to be a part. Yeah. I think later on you're going to see in some subsequent paragraphs about, about being a representative of the King. Right. Um, you'll see some of that later. Um, so that's just kind of my first, my first thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's thinking about the uniqueness and the ethics that um, we're, cre- we're created with a will. Like we, yeah. um, mm-hmm. we can choose, um, whereas the rest of creation, um, 
either doesn't even have that remotely or offers offers simply out of instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and just another one part of the, just, just ask the sort of, okay, what makes us unique? And that's, that's the one that's kind of coming to the top of my, mm-hmm. yeah. top of my head. Um, and then we, with that will, we choose how to live. We choose how to, how to, how to, um, represent image God. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, or not. So, you know, it's, uh, and I, that, that's that, that whole free will thing. Um, that whole idea of we have agency, we have the ability to, to decide, to choose. Uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty, it's amazing to me when you look at the command of God to Adam and Eve, right? Um, here's these trees, right? Here's these trees in the garden, and you can eat of this tree, the tree of life. You can eat of it. Mm-hmm. Eat all you want. Go eat. But on this tree over here, the knowledge of good and evil, this tree over here, do not, do not, lest you shall die. So even in the command, there's this sense of you've got a choice. Mm-hmm. Like that choice is always before you. If they did not have that free will or that that will, let me just call it a, that will, um, within them, God would never have told, you know, put that, put that before them because they wouldn't yeah. have been able to choose, you know, either way. So there's a certain rationality that is, um, yeah. That is inherent in that. Now, I want to I want to mention two things. I've just recently um, listened to some work by Carmen Imes. Are you familiar with Carmen Imes? Uh, mm-hmm. she, you should. She's an Old Testament scholar. She's very strong. Okay. She's got a new book coming out about um, the uh, the image of God bearing the image. I think is what it's called. A couple things that she brings up here, and she's focusing mainly on the text at this point and and mm-hmm. trying to do some biblical theology. I'm going to read that book. It's coming out soon. You can check out some podcasts <clears> about her. <throat> uh, a couple things to remember. Um, there are other beings that are rational too. So what she does is she says, look, you can't only say that rationality and will are what it means to be made in the image of God because you also have flesh and body and that matters. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's something that matters. Um, Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. And the answer is no, because then what you start doing is you get into this whole Gnostic idea of your body doesn't matter where... Right. Uh, I think maybe we're seeing some ethical complications of how um, yeah, my thinking so. is my being, my body is not my being. Right. I won't get yeah. into examples, but you can fill in the blanks and maybe you're following yeah. me there. No. Um, but there's also the the reality that there is a creature in Genesis chapter 3 that has rationality as well and right. will, right. the serpent. Now, we don't know much you know, entirely about that. Um, but so there's a mixture of our rationality, our will, and our bodies as well. Mm-hmm. I, I I think we should uh, when we I'm gonna read that book, Potic Humans. If you know about it, let me know. I want to read it with you. Yeah, um, that sounds great. Um, you as know, a as bedtime you were... story. No, I'll zoom into your house when you're going to sleep, and I'll read this book to <laughs> you. Read at this night. academic. I'm just kidding. Your <laughs> bedtime story. Once upon a time, um, you you you're mentioning that the serpent, right? And mm-hmm. we're we're not quite where we want to really dive into the sin issue yet. But let me just say this: you, you don't want to sin right now. I well, I do. Okay. That's the problem. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, you were mentioning the serpent and how he that the serpent is the complete is completely rational, right? Like there's this there's um, um, it is a rational being. It know like there's a knowledge that comes with that. And I was thinking back, uh, Doctor Joe Donjel, who's a New Testament professor at mm-hmm. Asbury. 
<clears throat> he's I'm, I'm we're I'm leading a group of men through his Mark study, his seedbed yeah. Mark study, which is this intense study of Mark. And um, one of the things he says there is that um, you know there there's basically three levels of knowledge of who Jesus is um, in the Gospel of Mark. And, um, you know, and the disciples are somewhere kind of in the middle where may, most of the time they don't know who Jesus is, but every now and then something's revealed to them where they make, like Peter and, and others. But the, the group um, that always knows who Jesus is, is always fully aware of who Jesus is, are the demons. Yeah, in Mark always. for sure. They, they, all, they, all, they know the truth, like they, they, and they will proclaim, it's interesting, the demons will proclaim the truth, right? You... Who are, you know, what are you doing here, son of the, you know, most high, you know, this kind of thing. So, uh, uh, this idea here, you know, about will and rationality and all, it's interesting how the Bible will put, you know, the deceiver as completely rational mm-hmm. in, in, in the, in, in his work. So, um, it's just very interesting. That just, yeah. When you said that, when you said that, it just brought that mind what Dr. Donjel had brought up. See, that's what I'm good for. Stuff. Like, I just make you think. Yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> um, so, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's move on. Um, okay, so 69, uh, uh, paragraph 69, humans represent okay. uh, God in the world in this paragraph. All right. Uh, careful study cast light on these two views and others. In the ancient world, Monarchs were the royal representatives of the gods and often set up images of themselves in conquered territory to stand in for their own power and ownership. In this light, the biblical image has profound ethical ramifications. Human beings represent God in the world. This would explain why Genesis 1 moves immediately to describe the privileged position of human beings vis-a-vis the rest of the created order. But in Scripture, the image of God is intrinsic to all humans everywhere and always. It never applies only to a powerful few at the top of the social hierarchy, nor is it based on ethics, but applies intrinsically to all humankind, explicitly including both male and female. And that's that's something to, it, to really get the amazingness, awesomeness, whatever. Yeah, yeah that's a Latin yeah uh, of this of this teaching of the uh, imago dei of the of the image of god um from judeo christian teaching is this idea when you look at the cultural context in which this is coming out of in the ancient near east where you would have uh the the babylonians and the the just all the persians and the Assyrians and the egyptians uh, the only folks who were the image of the gods the image bearer of the gods were those in charge, the pharaoh or the emperor or the king. Now you've got this teaching coming out that says, no, no, it's not just the emperor or the king or the pharaoh, the most powerful. It's also the poorest among you. It's also the most broken among you. It's also those who are on the outside who uh, of your society who are like everyone in all of creation bears this image upon them. And my my in my reading of of certain books, I think um uh Walter Brugman um yeah. and then some others, like this is completely revolutionary in the context from which it's coming out of. And I think it's kind of revolutionary for us today, this idea of 
Um, if we in the church, we, we, uh, we followers of Jesus, need to realize that believers, non-believers, broken, sinful, evil, good, everyone, if they're human, if they are, uh, they are made, that the image of God is stamped on them. There is no person that has not been created in the image of God. Right. And so that should, for me, inform how we how we approach people, not just the people who we like and get along with, but our, our even most mortal <laughs> enemies, you know, the, the, the people who want to do us harm and evil. I think one of the reasons Jesus teaches to, um, to love your enemies is because yeah. our enemies are also created in the image of God. Yeah, so uh, piggyback on that idea real quick. Um, so I've been ha- doing some ethnic- ethnographical theology um, with, through the doctoral program at Asbury, which basically means you're you're taking your what is the theology of a particular community or event and and how can we reflect theologically on it? So we're working. Um, I'm doing some work with our ministry here that uh, offers meals every Sunday mm-hmm. to eat with people who are uh, food insecure and financially insecure in our community. Right? We call them our neighbors. Um, and one of the things that we're I'm watching and in this ministry, it draws me back to um, Jesus in Matthew 25, who basic who says, uh, you know, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was hungry and you fed me. Right. Um, when you welcome, when you did this unto the least of this, you did this to me. Um, you know what that almost does is and that that's an outflow of, of this yeah. kind of concept that right. Jesus views these people with this kind of dignity. But it also means if every time I see a stranger and I do something, I'm doing it to Jesus that, by logic means there's no more strangers. Right. Right. Okay. Um, that there's nobody who is not in some way important then to me as a believer in Christ who is trying to image God to others. Because mm-hmm. um, if they're a stranger, but they're not really a stranger, they're actually, I'm doing it as if I'm doing it unto Jesus, then I'm not actually doing anything to a stranger anymore. That's right. Yeah. Um, so the one thing that, so so there's, there's a, there's not a, I don't want to, over intellectualize this, but so you have this profound dignity that's within every person, right? But that is not the entirety of anthropology. Mm-hmm. So, what we want to do is we want to honor and love everybody as we love Jesus, mm-hmm. as Jesus loves them as well. And then recognize that part of that image bearing is to help them. We were we seek to invite everybody into a space where their image is fully restored. Right. We recognize their dignity. We see them. We love them, and then may God's Spirit restore them. So, what we don't want to do is say that everything is right and every scenario is good because every scenario is involves a person who's made in the image of God. You, there's a we have to th- make sure we've thought through that well enough. Yes, so that we do good ministry as we recognize and serve people. And that we don't miss recognizing people because we're trying to do right. good good ministry. Right. So we, that's what that's why being having thicker theology, thicker anthropology, and in our encounters is important. Um, you and you used the word stranger, and that there really is no stranger. I would even say go as far as to say you can replace that with things like enemies. Yeah. Um, um, one of the things yeah. that I've started saying. Um, especially in the climate we're in today in the United States with political stuff and, and just tribalism and all that, 
is um, I, I really, as a Christian, have no enemies. Mm. Um, I have no enemies. Um, there are people, even people who want to do us violent, right, who want to even stamp us, just stomp us to the ground, um, those are not our enemies. We have an enemy, but we do not have enemies. Um, right now, I think all three of us, are all three of us preaching out of First Peter right now? In this season? I am, yeah. Okay, so in First Peter, one of the things you'll see is Peter's admonition to the Christian community of how to treat pagans, uh, their pagan masters, because most of these Christians he's writing to are um, bond servants within uh, pagan households, um, how to treat them when they're being mistreated. And Peter will basically say to them, you don't treat them by retaliation. You, re- you, you, you respond to their mistreatment of you by washing their feet, mm-hmm. doing that kind of stuff. Um, and so, um, yeah, that, that, is, um, that, that, is, that is an important, uh, uh, piece, important piece to this. We have no enemies, but we do have an enemy. Um, and so, uh, all right, so let's look at, uh, um, so let's talk a little more about what God's um, image is exactly. All right, um, paragraph 70. But what exactly is God's image? It's a good question. That's a good, I mean, hey, look at that. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Just this far in Genesis 1, Scripture presents God as one who creates, making room for other things, entities, elements, and who does so non-violently, arranging and ordering and blessing. These aspects of God's image must comprise part of what it means to image God. Uh Human dominion over creation, for example, must image the God who is Lord of creation and rules benevolently with blessing for all creatures, not just humans, and judges all creation to be very good. The violence that marks uh, life east of Eden is a failure to bear God's image. The spilling of blood is of utmost concern precisely because of the image of God in humans. We are called, therefore, to protect and value human life from conception to natural death. Violence against the creation is a rejection of the mandate implicit in being an image bearer. That's really interesting that um, it focuses on how God orderly you know, Genesis one is God creating in um, this orderly, orderly fashion. It's not violent. Um, he's he's actually right. reversing. He's taking chaos, right, yeah. um, and bringing order to it. And if we're made in the image of God, then we are to be um, nonviolent. We're to bring order um, uh, where there's chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that includes protecting human life from mm-hmm. beginning to natural end. Right. So, um, which has, all, as we know, has implications um, in our culture. <laughs> oh, no doubt. No, yeah. I, uh, so I was sharing with the guys before we got started, um, you know, as y'all, as y- our listeners know, we've been sort of infatuated uh, with uh, AI lately and, and chat, chat GPT and, um, there's some Susan things Brett that, realizes how it's actually pronounced. Like ch- he's got, he's called it Chet. He's called it. Uh, um, <laughs> actually, I named it Checks. Chet. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, Checks GPT. Check, whatever text, he gets check. the name right, it'll be yeah, great. Sure. So. Uh, 
<laughs> chippy. I call it chippy. 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 Uh, so one of the questions I asked, uh, just uh, you know, the play with this and 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 kind of researching something, it was um, name five challenges to the doctrine of the image of God. You know, interestingly, it brought up these five challenges, and I think so. Listening to what Alan just read out of this paragraph, I think there's some validity to these challenges um, because we as followers, we as as uh, disciples of Jesus, haven't always done the best job of living into the reality of God's image within us and also understanding God's image in other folks. And so what happens is people then begin, you know, we talk about, well, we're all created in the image of God. We're all created. Well, if we are, then there's, you know, how are you living that out? I mean, you're not, anyway. So here's some challenges. Uh, One was the challenge of uh, diversity, that in the traditional view of image of God, um, that it was based on a, a very narrow and culturally specific understanding of what it meant to be human, mainly from a, a, a patriarchal society. And so, um, uh, and so I get that challenge, but we've just said that uh, the diversity is actually very much upheld. You know, women are in the image of God, men are in the image of yeah, God. All I mean, humankind. All, all humankind. All humankind, right? yeah. Um, so uh, there's, of course, the challenge of evolution, of science and science and faith and all of that. And some argue that the theory of evolution poses a challenge to this to this view of the image of God. No. Nope. Um, it doesn't. No, mm. it, it doesn't. Not at all. Um, read, read Genesis 1, and if you wanted to be a, a theistic evolutionist, I think that the text allows you to do that. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with you. On I that, think I just got... Hold on. You hear that sound? I think I just got canceled. Yeah, you got canceled. <laughs> You're done. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Where's Jim? Where'd Jim go? Where's Jim, Jim go? Where'd Jim go? Um, uh, there's the challenge of sin. Some argue that the reality of human sin and brokenness itself calls into question the image of God, this doctrine of the image of God. It suggests that we've fallen short of the divine ideal. Um, and I get that, but you've got to read, like, the, the, the doctrine of original sin, the doctrine of sin itself is a doctrine of a, the marring of that image, Right within us. So we'll get more into that later. I don't think that challenge holds up. Um, of course, there's the challenge of gender. Some argue that this, the challenge, of, I mean, the doctrine of the image of God has been shaped by patriarchal assumptions and has excluded and marginalized women um, and other and um, and other marginalized groups and needs to be reinterpreted. Well, again, going back, all humankind, all humankind. But then there's this one that. This, that this really locks into this the paragraph that we just that Alan just read the challenge of violence some argue that uh, the history of human violence and oppression calls into question the idea that human beings are created in the image of God since it suggests that we are capable of committing terrible atrocities and inflicting suffering on others um, but what we'll see that east of Eden right yeah, like right is is it's we've been kicked out of the garden. We're under the penalty uh, penalty because of sin itself, and sin has come in. Sin again is a marring of the image of God within us, and because we can't see clearly, because there's a veil pulled over our eyes, we start seeing each other through um, uh, through tinted shades, you know, glasses, whatever, where they're not. Uh, people are not. We're not seeing them for who they really are, and I so we commit violence we commit I think that's where that your first statement that we began the episode with come you have to have a holistic view of right. the image of God right. and exactly. the whole story you can't just look at Genesis 1 and ignore Genesis you know 3 you got you can't look at just 
the, yeah. the right. garden and ignore the the beginning. You have to have the whole. You have to have. You have to have. Uh, uh, you know, a complete thousand picture. feet. No, no matter picture, how right. No matter how well you systematize your theology. No matter how you decide to put things in numbered paragraph order. Nothing stands by itself. Right. right. It's right. all deeply interwoven, which is why these kind of conversations need to continually happen. Exactly. So the doctrine of the image of God does not stand by itself apart from all other truths and realities right. that come from the doctrines of Christian faith and the reality of human life. Basically, now, um, the I would say that these five, you know, things that um a computer put out <laughs> Chippy. Yeah. Right. Chippy. Chippy. Um are um are not arguments against it but 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 um explanations for how the image has been marred exactly yes. that's the right yet exactly i mean yes yeah. so, so so um the one i y'all let's be i want you to pause and i want you to be really proud of me right now because you listed out these five challenges and they were so filled with things that i wanted to jump all over <laughs> and i didn't you didn't do even it. do it. No, <laughs> I am proud of you. I am proud of you. Um, it doesn't now, make for quality good content. Good job, Jim. Good if job. If you'll subscribe Jim. to, if you'll uh, subscribe to our Patreon account, you will hear Jim's take on all five of these, um, and that'll be that'll be fun. I'll yes. do it. <laughs> um, An uh, argument. By I'm the in. way, uh, in the last you know almost three years that we've been doing this, oh my uh, gosh, I know Jim and I have noticed uh, one of the things is that we'll we'll sit here and we'll wax eloquently um, this stuff and and Alan or just wax and and, and Alan is just if y'all notice every now and then Alan just kind of sits back and what he's doing is he's stretching he's stretching <laughs> and he's getting ready. And he comes in, and he comes in with like a one sentence or a half a sentence, and it's a punch. It's a knockout. Alan, I'm stealing your comment. You can't, uh, you can't, uh, you you can't just read. What did you say? You can't read Genesis one yeah. without also yeah. reading Genesis three. Like you've got um, you, Genesis one, Genesis three, and on. Like it's it's so contextual. You can't just stop at Genesis one. You've got yeah. to see the rest of the picture. Well, here's what I'm doing. Narrative, here's yeah. what I'm doing. I'm just trying. I'm just sifting everything you guys are saying. I'm just putting it through the 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 working man's filter. And uh, <laughs> working uh, a working man, working Mr. Man. Pink shirt. A working <laughs> man. Yeah. Working yeah. man in Never his mind. pink shirt. <laughs> no, but that was the right, I'm I was like I, when you said yeah. that, I, I just yeah. wanted, I was like, all right, that's the that's the show. That's the here's right you know what what's interesting. You can t- even if you want if you wanted to be purely purely textual. And just take Genesis in its own context without the rest of the scriptures at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every one of those particular challenges and challenges that people have, Genesis is explicitly honest and open about. Yes. Sure. Okay. Um, the murder and uh, the opening chapters, the all these things. And so it doesn't take away from the fact that this first thing is also true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that humans are violent, um, that is a symptom of the fall of humanity, but, but the fact that they're capable of violence is not an issue because are you not stronger, more loving, more caring when you know that you're capable of doing a thing and you choose to use it for good instead of evil? The amount of power that people have does not make the fact that does not make it bad that humans are created in the image of God. Right. It's the choice that is done, not the capacity that right. is the issue. Right. And yes, exactly. And I, I love, so like, very simplistically, Genesis, it opens with the words, um, and it was good, right? Mm-hmm. Creation, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was very mm-hmm. good with humanity. 
and Genesis for about four ends, minutes. And then uh, Genesis ends with what you meant for evil, God mm-hmm. intended for good. Yeah, that's a good exercise. Um, and so right there, Genesis 1 and Genesis 50, you've got these bookends. And what you have in Genesis 50 really is a redemption, right? It's a story. It's, it's, it's not only a story of the redemption of, um, of, of um, Joseph's family. It's really a foreshadowing of the redemption of humanity. For sure. And so um, what we meant for evil, God has intended for good. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to get some Jesus in at the very end? You Let's, go. Some, Br- okay. Let's go. Let's go. Bring, Let's bring, Let's bring, it. bring right. it on in. This Come on, the, preacher. This is our Come last paragraph for today. Is uh, 71. It seems clear that the image of God combines both ethical and essential aspects. But whatever else it communicates, the image is fundamentally a creational category. God creates or makes humans in this fashion, which means that humans do not create themselves but belong to their Lord. Connection to creation is apparent also in Christ, who the New Testament calls the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, um, and in whom all things were created. Christ's very essence is God, and comprehensively so, with ethical ramifications. Christ, too, creates, orders, arranges, blesses, and chooses suffering rather than retaliation. Yeah. We kind of talked mm. about that earlier, right? You know? Yeah. Mm. Man. Man, that's so, good. So that, uh, Jesus yeah. is the image of the invisible God. So that's like from that. Colossians. Yeah. Um, Colossians 1. Yeah. The firstborn of all creation. He's he becomes the standard, not just for humanity, but he becomes the one who can take that marred image and and set it right and can and can cleanse it. I, I, I preached a sermon years ago um, at, at my previous church, and, um, and and I was preaching on this idea of uh, of um, God taking that marred image. And through the redemptive work of Jesus, cleaning it up to where we can actually see who we really are. And so, um, th- my original idea was to get a funhouse mirror and put it on the stage, and then somehow, some way, uh, transition it into just a regular, clean, clear mirror with magic. With magic. Well, I couldn't ever find a funhouse mirror. So, uh, one of my uh, my technical advisor at the church, he. He said he had this idea. So he found this mirror, and then he just covered it with uh, cellophane. Mm-hmm. And then he took that cellophane, and he rubbed it with like a little oil and this other stuff. So there was reflection coming off of it, but it was marred. And so, and I, and it was marred through, and I was able to say, you know, through the ugliness of sin, the dirt, you know, what this does for us. And there was a piece in the sermon where I could just peel off the cellophane, and all of a sudden, the image clears up. That, to me, has stuck with me. I mean, I've, I, even as ha- one who has preached it, of what Christ is doing in us, right? Like, when he comes and he, he redeems us, he, uh, the work of the cross, the work of resurrection, what Jesus is doing, I mean, he has taken that marred image and he's allowing us to see who we really are. 
um, uh, through that transformational process. And mm. so, yeah, I think it is very appropriate to end with this, at least this section with the work of Jesus, who Jesus is. Who yeah, didn't man. Who didn't choose violence, but he chose suffering. He chose those, the, 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 uh, he, he chose sacrifice. Yeah, you could say that the image of God is that of humility. Yeah. Um, yes, without a doubt. That's right? really strong. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it's again, boom, boom. <laughs> that, I mean, that last little bit of that, the whole retaliate, it, um, it reminds me of just Philippians 2, um, which yeah. is uh, um, have the same mindset of Christ, one of uh, who humbled himself. Um, yeah, that's what we're called to do as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's hard, y'all. Can we just be honest about that? I know sure. we're getting ready to, to shut down, but can we just name that and say it is hard? To not live in to to not to, to to it's easy to to live into the marred image. Yeah, I guess yeah. because that's our natural state right now. Anyway, um, that's where our muscle memory yeah. is. Um, it's hard to be Jesus to be like Jesus. Yes. Um, mm. Lord, it's so hard to be humble <laughs> when you're. Perfect in every way. What? That's how the song goes. That's how the song goes. I didn't know. I didn't know where you're going. That's, like, <laughs> That's a great. That's hey, so maybe something. maybe a little bit of a challenge, you know? Because yeah. uh, and I'm just thinking out of some some of the the work that I had talked about before that I, I just recently worked through. Um, like when just find somebody when you look upon somebody this week, investigate how 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 does my heart seek to engage them initially. You know, do I ignore? Do I overlook? And is there somebody that you can just recognize this week? And say so you don't have to even do anything profound. You know, the spirit will do something profound, but mm-hmm. engage. All right, mm-hmm. as as if as if um, it was somebody that represented somebody God dearly loved and created. That would be mm-hmm. a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's another thing to think about. And just take a period of, of a day and say, okay, in this next period of the day, what what can I do to even better be a representative of my Lord, my King, mm-hmm. as one who bears his image and banner um in the next in the in this next encounter that I'm about to have? Yeah. Okay. And remember that it's not by it's not by might, it's not by your own willpower, but but you would have to say, All right, spirit, help me do that. Yeah. But sometimes we've got to ask those questions to invite invite those places in our heart to be open. So just two takeaways that we could grab onto that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was thinking and I was thinking as you're talking, I was like, even if you cannot see um the image of God in someone else, like even if yeah. that's having even if you're having a difficult time, still remind yourself that you are made in the image of God. So how can you represent God? Um, that's right. To that that's person right. that you're having a hard time seeing the image of God in, right? That's like that's uh, like a little bit of a failsafe because if your yeah, brain's not ticking yes, one way, your brain will yes, take the other, and yes, you're getting to the same spot. Yes, yes. Good call. And if once again, you find out why we keep Alan. Alan around. should be <laughs> Alan should be a preacher. <laughs> he should be a preacher. <laughs> I'll think about it. I'll think about it. it. You think about you will. I put so much work into this, and I'm like studying, and I'm looking, and then Alan sits here and is like, "Hey guys, here's my statement." Blah 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 blah. Changes lives. People give their life to Jesus, and it's good to go. And I'm like, (laughs) "Well, that's your mistake, Brett. You should never prepare." Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) Yes.
<laughs> That's my secret to life. Uh, my, red, my face is getting as red as or pink as my shirt. So, uh, by the way, um, it is pink shirt day. Uh, check us out on YouTube. And so two votes us, for girl, one votes for boy. Uh, <laughs> so all of us apparently have some kind of work to do because we're wearing long sleeve shirts. So yeah. um, what a day to be on YouTube. Go back it and is. check on it. Y'all need my Bible and pen. I'll give you a call. <laughs> that's that's it. that'll be what hashtag, it is. Hashtag Out, giant Jim, nerd. Jim will leave a message, an outgoing message on your voicemail. I will. Yeah, that'll be what it'll it be. Is. It'll be fun. It'll be the best. That we could do that. That's what uh, I don't know if y'all listen to. Wait, it's wait. Copyrighted don't tell me. from. Yeah, it's copyright written on NPR though. Yeah. Well, they don't. Peter they, don't us. <laughs> they don't know about nobody, us. Nobody. So. Nobody knows about us. <laughs> Are you copyright listening only, to us? Copyright These only voices are in your head. Find you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. Well, before we start encouraging law breaking, my friends, this has been an episode of the Potakesis Podcast. We're a member of the Spirit and Truth Network. I hope you check them out at spiritandtruth.life. Yep. Uh, and subscribe to us on iTunes and all the places that Brett told you in the intro and will probably tell you in the outro. Yep. Uh, we love you. Glad to be with you. And I hope we're signing off because I've just engaged the sign off. We'll talk you to you did. later. You did. You just took it. You See just you like, guys. I'm going to do this. I'm signing us off. So, uh, Alan, do you have any parting words before um, Jim decides to end this thing? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>